DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He's the author of numerous books on the spiritual teaching of St. Ignatius of Loyola, as well as the teachings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, including The Biblical Way of Praying the Mass, The Eucharistic Wisdom of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, the book on which this series is based. A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thank you once more, Chris. This is probably one of the most, can I say, poignant, compelling parts of the Mass. It's even in your book, A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass, entitled in the chapter heading as Jesus's heart. It's one of the most beautiful prayers that we could offer. Yes, and it's the prayer that the church calls the Eucharistic prayer. Now, we've already entered that with the preface, as we've seen. We move toward the center of it now. Preface, you know, that's uh, what precedes or prepares. It's the, like the preface to uh, a book, if we use that analogy. And in the Catechism, the Church speaks of the Eucharistic prayer as the heart and the summit of the celebration. So we have now reached the real deep point of the Mass. And at this point, uh, Venerable Bruno focuses on the consecration. So this is the moment when, in acting in the person of Christ, the priest takes the bread in his hand and says the words of Jesus, take this all of you and eat of it for this is my body, which is given up for you. And then over the chalice, take this all of you and drink from it for this is the chalice of my blood. And at this moment, the transubstantiation takes place. The bread and the wine are changed from bread and wine into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. So we have reached the summit of the celebration. How do we pray it? How does it transform, be transformed from a moment that we know is sacred, a moment that we believe to be the moment of transubstantiation, but which may pass us by a little more quickly than we'd wish, into a moment of deep prayer in which our hearts really participate? So that's now the question that Venerable Bruno is asking here. And he writes, at the consecration, I will seek the sentiments and the heart of Christ. So we've reached the deep point now. Well, what were the sentiments and the heart of Christ uh, when he made this offering of his body and blood? He, he does this sacramentally in the Last Supper on Holy Thursday and does this uh, physically in his passion and death on Good Friday. Well, as I was thinking of this and writing the book, a memory came to me of Father James Wolfe, who was the pastor of my home parish, Most Holy Rosary, in a small town in upstate New York, uh, was a pastor there for 27 years. And it was just a mission of uh, a larger parish when he was first sent there. And he built a, a church and a rectory and established a full parish life. But he was the face of the priesthood for me and my brothers and sisters as we were growing up 
we received all of our first sacraments from him and you know confession confirmation and preparation and so forth down through the years and actually i'll be personally deeply grateful to him because he was instrumental in helping me uh, find my vocation in priesthood and religious life but in retrospect although he never said anything about it in retrospect i could see that he saw a budding priestly vocation in me. And uh, he did a number of things to foster that. He would invite me to assist in this or that function in the parish or to get involved in this or that way, and periodically would give me different books to read. The one that most stands out in my mind, it was the book by Frank Sheed, which was recently published at the time, entitled To Know Christ Jesus. I'd say it was the best book he could have given this um, high school student, as I was at the time. The title of the book is taken from uh, St. Paul's words in, in Philippians 3, I consider everything as loss because of the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And I had never uh, realized that you could, as it were, mine scripture in the way Frank Shee does in that book, and he does it accessibly. Uh, so I was able to read it. But I, I, it just opened up a whole new world for me. I never realized that scripture could be read and employed in that way to come to know Jesus in the way that he does it in the book. The reason I say I think that was about the best book that uh, Father Wolf could have given me, because that is the supreme good, as uh, St. Paul describes it, to know Christ Jesus And if we want to live the consecration with the heart of Jesus, then the more we know about the heart of Jesus as he lives that moment, then the more deeply we're going to be able to live it. So there's the question. When Venerable Bruno invites us to live the consecration of the Mass, asking for some small but real sharing in what filled the heart, the sentiments that stirred in the heart of Jesus in his self-gift, in his passion and death, what are we asking for? What were those sentiments? And obviously, Scripture is our best guide here. And so I want to propose a series of biblical texts which express the heart of Jesus in his self-offering. And I invite us now together to listen to these and to just pray these very slowly and very deeply, asking in our prayer that through these texts, something, something of the heart and the sentiments that fill Jesus as he offers himself to his Father be, be shared with us, enter our own hearts, so that, please God, we can pray the consecration increasingly out of the space of the heart when we are at Mass. This is my body, this is my blood of the covenant which will be shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 to 28. A heart that offers everything, even his body, even his blood, all that he is, that our sins may be forgiven and the door to eternal life opened. I am the Good Shepherd, a good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John chapter 10, verse 11. Again, 
a heart that offers itself without limit, laying down his life for his sheep, for us. He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. John chapter 13, verse 1. A heart that loves without measure to the end. That is, to the last moment of his life and to the utmost bounds of love. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. A heart that gives its whole being totally available to the Father in our service and for our liberation. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Throughout his pontificate, those 27 years, St. John Paul II referred repeatedly to what he called the law of the gift. The law of the gift. This is another one of these key things that I wish I, wish I could share with everyone in the world. Lives, cultures, marriages, families, nations, the world would be transformed if we all understood the law of the gift and in our imperfect but sincere way attempted to live it. It's the secret to happiness in this life, and it opens the door to eternal life. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Uh, It really is the key. It's the secret that reveals to us how we are called to live, and it is the only door to real happiness. Now, St. John Paul II took this terminology, the law of the gift, as a, way, uh, as a way of expressing a teaching that he found in the Second Vatican Council and which he repeated. This was one of the texts of the Second Vatican Council that he repeated more than most. And this is in the Pastoral Constitution on the Church in the Modern World, Gaudium et Spes, paragraph 24. And there the council uh, says that the human person cannot fully find himself that is, become what he or she is called to be, live life to the full, live it according to the way God intended it to be lived, in such a way that there be joy and fulfillment in this life and entrance into an eternity of of joyful life. The human person cannot fully find himself except through the sincere gift of himself. The only way a man or a woman will ever fully live joyfully, happily, live life to the full is through making the gift of himself or herself to another in love. And the council here references Jesus' teaching that, quote, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses it will save it. This is this remarkable law of the gift that it's only when you give it away that you get it. Only by giving it away do you possess it. And this is the truth that I wish the whole world knew. And uh, St. John Paul II, in one of his encyclicals, comments on this. In this way, Jesus proclaims that life finds its center, its meaning, and its fulfillment when? When it is given up. 
if we want to find the center of our lives, if we feel scattered and we need a center, if we're confused about why we're here in the world and what we should be doing, if we're looking for meaning, and if we're seeking to find fulfillment, to feel like we're living life well in a worthwhile way, in a meaningful way, then the Holy Father says, quoting the Council essentially here, Jesus proclaims that life finds its center, its meaning, and its fulfillment when it is given up. This is the paradox of this uh, law of the gift. What's coming to my mind at the risk of going on too long here is um, the way that C.S. Lewis expresses it. He calls it the principle of indirection. That is, that as long as we seek happiness, and our whole goal is to find, seek my happiness, we'll never find it. It's only when we stop seeking it and to uh, add St. John Paul II's word and we give it away, give our life away and love to others, that indirectly, that's the principle of indirection, a wonderful thing happens, we, we become happy. So put into um, the vocabulary of John Paul II, the law of the gift says this, that as long as I try to become happy, be fulfilled, by insisting upon my way, my time, my plans, my views, what I want, I will never become happy. But when I give of myself in love to God and to the others whom God has put into my life, a wonderful thing happens. I become happy, fulfilled. There's a center to my life and there's meaning. Well, that's the law of the gift. We cannot fully find ourselves except through a sincere gift of ourselves in love to God and to those whom God has placed in our lives. And the consecration at the Mass is the supreme instance of the law of the gift. And not only the supreme exemplar of the law of the gift, but also the primary source of the grace that is going to help us live the law of the gift in our own lives. And this is the profundity with which Venerable Bruno is inviting us to live the consecration when we ask for the sentiments that filled the heart of Christ in his own self-gift as he lives this supreme exemplification of the law of the gift in giving not only his time and his listening ear and, and, and whatever else, but his very body and blood. These are the words of the consecration. Take, receive, this is my body given for you. Take and drink, this is my blood poured out, given for you. So we witness here the supreme instance of the law of the gift, and we are invited as we live the consecration to ask for a sharing in something of the heart that brought Jesus to make that complete, total, and utter gift of himself. All right, let's get concrete. I want to quote here something that I heard once in a talk, a recorded talk of Venerable Fulton Sheen and never forgot. Uh, I don't know, Chris, I may have quoted this in other, uh, other times that we've spoken. And he tells of a young girl sitting in the kitchen at home, watching her mother as she works. And her, the backs of her mother's hands are, are crisscrossed and covered with scars. And so this day, this young girl, with the bluntness of a child, she asks the question that she's long wanted to ask. Mother, how did your hands get so ugly? And her mother answers and says, one day when you were just a baby, you were upstairs in your crib sleeping and the house caught fire. 
I ran upstairs. The blankets around you had already caught the flames. I pulled them off of you, picked you up, and ran with you out of the house. That is how I got these scars. And the young girl answered and said, Mother, I love your scars. I believe we're never going to hear anything happier or experience anything happier in life than to hear from the lips of another or to read in the eyes of another those words, I love your scars. I love the way you have given of yourself for me, the way you have given me your time, the way you were there to listen to me when I needed someone to listen to me, the way you were a helping hand when I so much needed it, the way I knew I could always count on you, the way I knew you were willing to sacrifice your own plans, your own time, your own projects in order to be there for me. Mother, I love your scars. Beautiful, beautiful illustration of the law of the gift. Something of what we're asking for at the consecration. This is a quote from recently declared venerable Jerome Lejeune, the French doctor and geneticist. And uh, this is from his daughter, Chiara, and she recounts this in a biography she wrote of her father. So these are his last moments just before his death, and she's visiting with him. He spoke in short gasps, stopping from time to time to breathe some oxygen. I asked him if he wanted to bequeath something to his little patients because he had spent his life working with children. He answered, no, I don't mean to neglect them, but you see, I don't own very much. Besides, I gave them my whole life, and my life was all I had. There's a life lived according to the law of the gift. This next is a simple thing, but it really impressed me when it happened. Um, when I need a haircut, most of the time I walk about 10 minutes, a few blocks to a barber shop in a shopping mall. And on this particular day, I was there and there was a new barber there. And she was a woman, uh, probably I'd, I'd guess in her late 60s, uh, obviously a little physically frail. As we got talking, uh, she mentioned that she had some real uh, uh, serious heart issues and was undergoing a lot of anxiety about uh, the treatment and whether she'd be able to get it and just all the related issues around this. It also became apparent, uh, she could see that I was a priest, and so she began talking about her own involvement in her own Christian church. And she was deeply involved in it. Uh, she taught catechism in it. Uh, she was very active in her church. And you could just see in this woman that her Christian faith was very, very deeply a part of her identity and life. Well, as she shared her anxiety and the heaviness of heart about the, the heart issue and what would lie ahead, I had just published this little book we've talked about before, uh, Overcoming Spiritual Discouragement, The Power and Spiritual Wisdom of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. So it seemed appropriate. I asked her, would you like me to bring you a copy of this? Oh, yes. Uh, she was thrilled. She was excited about it. Now, this is a part I'm not terribly proud about. Uh, life was quite busy. And for the next 10 days, I would see a copy of the book on the shelf in my room and a little shamefacedly decide that I really don't have time to walk the 10 minutes over there and get it to her. Finally, about 10 days after that haircut, I did bring it over to her. And uh, it was a beautiful moment. She, she, The way human beings, the way we can do this, she, she lit up is the only way I can 
he remembered me. He didn't forget me. Uh, he, he did what he said he would do. She, uh, she just held my hand and thanked me over and over again. It was the warmest part of that day, and the warmth of it stayed with me for um, several days following. That's the law of the gift. And I found myself saying, why did I wait 10 days to do this? All right, that's the law of the gift. That's what we're witnessing in the, uh, in the consecration. Here's a line from St. John of the Cross. And you'll see the law of the gift in this. All good things were given to me. When? When I grasped after them, when I went in pursuit of them, all good things were given to me when I no longer sought them through self-love. And St. Therese cites that line from John of the Cross in her reflections on, on love. And she's commenting here on the fact that the people who are themselves, who most love God and are most loving toward others are themselves most loved. And she writes this, we seek their company. We render them services without their asking. This is the law of the gift, purely. Finally, these souls, so capable of bearing with the lack of respect and consideration of others, see themselves surrounded with everyone's affection. We may apply to them these words of our Father, St. John of the Cross. All good things were given to me when I no longer sought them through self-love. And I'll, I'll just give one final instance of this because this is something that uh, I, I really love to remember. And uh, John Paul II, again, I was ordained in the first year of his pontificate. So in a sense, I uh, live, of course, the first 27 years of my priesthood with St. John Paul II and the church in those years. And this was uh, World Youth Day of the um, millennial uh, celebration in the year 2000. And this was August 15th, the first day of World Youth Day that summer. It was in Rome with an, an absolutely enormous crowd of young people. And I was watching this on television. It was the opening ceremony, and there were so many young people that they had to have two opening ceremonies in the biggest spaces they could find in the city. And one, the first ceremony was in front of the uh, square in front of St. John Lateran. There were about 400,000 young people uh, packed into that space. And another 500,000 were waiting down uh, outside of St. Peter's. So the Holy Father did this twice on that day. And I was watching the first of these ceremonies in front of St. John Lateran, and the Holy Father was seated there on a, on a little platform in front of the church with this enormous crowd of young people in front of him. And he was given his talk, and he began to read it. Uh, and he got to the point where he was quoting these words, which he said so often, do not be afraid, open, open wide the doors to Christ. And at this point, this enormous crowd of young people just simply interrupted him. And they began chanting, uh, Viva el Papa and John Paul II, we love you. And this just went on and on and on. Finally, the Holy Father, as this enormous wave of affection and love washed back to the Holy Father, he finally just surrendered to it. And he just put down the talk. He never finished the talk. Did the way, the way he would do, if you remember, put the talk down on his knees and then uh, held his hand to the side of the, his head, as he would so often do. And uh, with that smile, which was just would, would win your heart, began interacting uh, with these 400,000 young people. And I found myself deeply moved as I watched this. And then something clicked for me. I am seeing the law of the gift right before my eyes right now. 
These young people know that this 81-year-old man, as he was at the time, for 21 years, been Pope that long at this point, had spent himself in writing and speaking and traveling and creating events for them and out of love for them. And now in return, an enormous wave of love and affection returns to him. It's the law of the gift. As long as we seek to be happy by insisting on my happiness, my t- and so forth, it'll never happen. But when we make the gift of ourselves in love to others, then the one most wonderful thing in the world happens. Uh, we become happy. Now, that's the richness that Venerable Bruno is inviting us to seek, to pray for, as we witness, as I've been saying, the supreme instance of the law of the gift in all of human history, when the incarnate word now makes the gift of everything that he is and has, even to his own body and blood. This is my body given. This is my blood poured out for you. So to live the consecration in this way is to ask for a sharing in those sentiments of Christ. Conscious, as I said before, but I I, I do want to repeat it, that we, as we pray the consecration in this way, we are not only witnessing a model to imitate, but we are also being given the power and the grace to live it, the power and the grace that flows from Christ's supreme gift of himself. My suggestion now is that we go back to the biblical verses that we cited earlier, but in the light of all that we've said, return to them again and allow these five biblical verses, there could be others, but I've chosen these five, to reveal to us the sentiments and the heart that fill the person of Jesus in his self-gift of himself made present in the consecration. This is my body, this is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 28. What fills Jesus' heart as he says these words? I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John chapter 10, verse 11. What sentiments stir in Jesus' heart when he pronounces these words and declares his willingness to lay down his life for his sheep, for us? He loved his own in the world, and he loved them to the end. John chapter 13, verse 1. To the end, what love do these words express? He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. What does Jesus' self-emptying mean? What does his heart experience as he empties himself out of love for us? Father, if it is possible... Let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. What willingness to love 
and to what degree of love are expressed in this embrace of his Father's will. In the light of all that we've said and shared and prayed thus far in reflecting on the invitation to pray the consecration with the heart of Jesus, I'll invite us now to actually pray the words of the consecration itself as we have them in the Mass. First, the consecration of the bread and then the consecration of the wine. And to do this unhurriedly, to allow the meaning to surface in your heart to become aware of Jesus' gift of himself. And we'll do this together now as we're exploring this way of praying the Mass, but it might be something you'd also like to do just on your own uh, at various times. And I think if you do do that, you'll find that when you actually come to pray the consecration at the Mass, this will all the more readily be available to you as a way of entering into this supreme moment in the Mass. On the day before he was to suffer. Holy Thursday evening in the upper room. He took bread in his holy and venerable hands. In your mind's eye, contemplate Jesus as he does this and the following actions. And with eyes raised to heaven, To you, O God, his Almighty Father, giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. Take, eat, the law of the gift. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. My body, given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the precious chalice into his holy and venerable hands. Again, Contemplate Jesus as he does this and the following actions. And once more, giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many. My blood poured out for you, the law of the gift. For the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. 
In the consecration of the Mass, the Church fulfills this blessed command. In it, we find the model and the grace to live by it. You've been listening to A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher. To obtain the book on which this series is based, A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass, The Eucharistic Wisdom of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, visit EWTN.com, the website for the publisher, EWTN Publishing. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this program has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our mission of bringing free spiritual formation material to the world. But most of all, we hope you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for... A Biblical Way of Praying the Mass with Father Timothy Gallagher.